0: Welcome to the Priory Learning Trust podcast, TPLT Talks. Hello again everybody, hope, um, hope you're all well, hope uh, every, all the listeners out there across the Trust uh, have had a good start to term. Um, it's been busy, I know, but it's been great to get back into classrooms and back into schools and, and back to a little bit of normality, um, which is always good news. So we've got a really exciting podcast today. We've got a a, a number of guests, um, so we're gonna we're gonna split this up a little bit. Um, so we've got Amanda who's joining us from the Huntsbills to talk about what she's doing across the primary schools with with sustainability. I've got Helen who's our our, CO, our deputy COO. Um, who's going to talk about kind of vision right the way across the trust and what we're doing as a, as a whole trust towards sustainability. And we've got Mary and Olivia, one of our sixth form students, Mary from Whirl and Olivia, who was Whirl and is now King Alf's, um has come over for the sixth form, who, who, who amazingly... Um, went up to COP26 a couple of weeks back, a couple of months back now, maybe, is it? It's quite a while ago now. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a couple of months back now. Yeah, um, just to find out a little bit about their experience up there. So uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, we'll get straight into it. So how on earth did you end up managing to get a place to, to go up to COP26? Uh,
1: so it was it was really down to Jack Clark, actually, it has to be admitted. Jack Clark was head boy at Whirl uh, last year. Um, he uh, got together with my daughter, Sophie, who was in uh, TCAS sixth form, in, a, in the upper six. Um, oh, and he was in year nine uh, and set up Climate Justice Revolution as a eco group in Whirl. Um, and through that, in lockdown, he got involved with uh, the UK Sustainable Schools Network. Is it School Sustainability Network? We're trying to work out I'm which. not sure either or. School Sustainability. School Sustainability Network. We all call it UKSSN. Um, uh, network through Zoom, um, which grew very, very rapidly through lockdown. And the lady running that to put a proposal into the government that some of their students be allowed to go to COP. It is, as far as we know, one, of, if anything, the only school network that's run by students. Um, so that was a big selling point. So we took 20 students from the UK School Sustainability Network. Got that wrong again, haven't I? Yeah, that's um, right <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there were two students from each network, and Jack had just set up the Somerset network at that point. Um, so, we snaffled Liv and took Liv with us, um, and me and Jack and Liv went, and it was, yeah, an incredible experience. So, I'll pass you on to Liv, who can tell you more about what it was like from a student point of view.
2: Yeah, so I think it was quite nice to actually be up there as a student and be able to experience it. Because obviously you hear about it in the news, you hear about all the adults getting their say and being able to get their point across about why climate change is important and why we should be really acting on it now. And I think it was nice to be able to get a youth point of view across and be able to show everything that we've been working on in the network to actually share it with people and hear other people's opinions on everything.
0: Were you the only young people at the at, at COP?
2: Um, so we were the only, like Miss said, we were the only youth network. I, there were some school trips that we saw of like younger kids going around, but teen-wise, I think we were some of the only ones that I saw up there.
1: So there were the, the the network between us. We had two or three tickets into the blue zone, which is where all the action happens. Um, as that there were only a handful, under ten, um, under 18s uh, in the blue zone. So you hear a lot about the youth voice at COP and how strong the youth voice was at COP this year. When they're talking about the youth voice, they're talking about 18 to 35 year olds. Yeah. Um, So it's the fact that it wasn't uh, gray-haired old men talking about it It was a selling point this year, but it was under 35 year olds. So the fact that we had um, under 18s there was Three in the blue zone for our
2: group, yeah.
0: Brilliant. So the blue zone, I wasn't there. no. That sounds really interesting.
2: Uh, yeah, we didn't actually get to go into the Blue Zone, unfortunately, but we had some um, people that got to go in there um, from our group and they got to talk on a board and put their point of view across. So we didn't fortunately get to really see anything of the action there. We were in the Green Zone more so, which was a lot of stands and um, bits about what people are doing, Still, bits about agriculture in there, um, water conservation
1: and things like that that we got to talk to people about.
0: So, so really it was a learning experience for you as much as anything else?
1: Yeah, yeah, but we did get to interact, so did, I'm, I'm not sure, did you get to meet Alok Sharma? Um, yes, yeah, we were we about to leave and he came in, yeah. I, I, I wasn't there at that point in time, so everyone got up to completely different things. We were all flying off in all directions the whole time. Right. Um, Jack and myself got to meet uh, Nadine Zahawi um, and talk to him about his um, DFE uh, sustainability strategy, which I think Helen is going to talk to you about in a bit. Possibly. Um, And through meeting him, he was so impressed by Jack and the networks that Jack is now working with the DfE on the strategy to, you know, have a youth input into the strategy. So that was huge.
0: uh, Massive, actually. Let's be honest. Absolutely massive. massive. yeah, and you guys made it on TV as well, didn't you?
2: <laughs> a couple of times, yeah. So,
0: so you're <laughs> old pros at this being interviewed on, on bit.
2: Well, the Good Morning Britain bit was actually quite... It was it was a last-minute thing. It was literally the night before. Um, mm. Miss was just on the phone, and me and Jack come in, and she's going to go, oh, by the way, I think we're going to be on Good Morning Britain tomorrow morning. <laughs> and we, we look at her and we're like, okay, Miss. And then we turn off, and there was this massive... Um, we were just, uh, there was this big square that we were in, and there was this little setup of this these bright lights and this big camera, and then we just... We we went over and he just asked us these questions and then he goes, Oh, and by the way, do you want to do this again in half an hour?
1: And we were like, Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Again. live Liv all the way through was really excited. We got up at quarter to five and me and Jack are there kinda of going, Oh, dear, oh, oh <laughs> and Liv's like, Yay, we're going out to see this to see the really, really excited. Me and Jack are like, Oh, please don't put a camera in our faces. you <laughs> <laughs> was so enthusiastic. I think me and Jack were just like, No Yeah, so it was brilliant to have you there with us. <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like a fantastic experience, the whole event, really. Um, So what were the big takeaways for you from it then?
2: Um, I think if anything, it taught me that everyone can make a difference. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a massive thing like changing the entire way your company works. I think one of the most interesting things I found out when I was there was that many people don't know. I think it was like... Um, one in four people actually think it's better to wash your hands with hot water instead of cold water for hygiene reason reasons when actually it makes no difference it just hinders the environment more because you're having to heat the water to then wash your hands with um i can't remember the exact st- statistics but it was it takes a lot of like power to warm that water when it makes no difference whether you wash it with cold or cold
0: is that right well that's something new to me i, I didn't know that fantastic i, I can I could turn the heating off in the house now. <laughs> oh, Mrs Jenkins, we don't need that boiler on. Yeah, that's good news. Um, and Mary, did you take anything away from it then that you want to bring back into schools now?
1: I, I think, um, for me, massively. I, I've been campaigning about this since I was a teenager. I, I've been on this since the 80s. It was huge in the 80s, and then it stopped being a thing. Um, and it felt like shouting into the void. Uh, if you haven't watched, don't look up yet watched don't i,
0: I watch i have watched it recently actually yeah. for,
1: for a climate campaigner it's a really really powerful <laughs> film um because that's how it feels um and this year has been the first year where it's felt like people are actually listening and there is hope and yeah. just came away with a feeling of we, we can actually make changes having spoken to nadim zahawi was like the, the government are actually massively on side with us making these changes education is going to be massively changed in the next 5 to 10 years um it's it is huge to see things starting to
0: move well forward. and having young people like Jack and and live so passionate about it actually It gives you faith that our future is secure, doesn't it? Seeing the
1: power of getting young, enthusiastic people engaged and how much of an effect that can have, that has been massive in the last year working with the UK SSN. I I think
2: think something from a youth point of view that... that I, I that we want to see
1: a lot more is that
2: obviously all these plans are being put in place but w- we want to know that there's actually going to be action on these plans in a sense that they're actually going to be followed through there's a lot of promises that are put out there but i think the next five years will really show whether they are going to be put in place and what difference they are actually going to make uh,
0: very very on topic there there's a lot of promises that are made Liv, aren't there and uh and, and absolutely yeah. can people deliver Um, And I think, I think one of the things that's come out of this from our perspective is that myself, Ms Burge, trustees, um, we're actually really committed to this now. um, More so than perhaps we have ever been as a trust.
1: The other thing I have to say that came out of it massively, meeting other teachers and other students, Mm -hmm. was over the years of me and Jack campaigning, massive changes have happened. And that felt quite like we were pushing against an open door. And that is hugely different in other trusts and other schools. Um, Just how passionate this trust is about the environment really came across to us. I didn't kind of really understand how much of a difference people like Helen have been making behind the scenes and yourself and Nev in supporting us making those changes. Um, Other places don't haven't had that. And that was a huge difference. I think Helen's going to talk
0: more about that later. I guess. Yeah. I'm guessing. So she's nodding away here by the side of me. Look, guys, really good to meet you. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that you had that fantastic experience. Um, I'm absolutely confident that that I know Jack is doing well, and and Liv, you're doing extremely well here in school. Um, Liv's now off to do a to do a uh, a seminar, is it with with yes. with, with with Cambridge? Uh,
2: yeah, Cambridge HE plus webinar thing.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, and uh, high aspirations for medicine, I understand.
2: Yes, definitely, being a doctor's the dream.
0: And no doubt that you're going to achieve that dream, absolutely not at all. Thank you ever so much, guys, we'll speak to you again soon, okay?
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: you. Okay, and we're back. Um, Wow, isn't Olivia amazing? Doesn't feel she like definitely. she's a student, does it?
1: She's a great kid. No, I I was a tutor last year. I've taught biology for two or three years and she's always been the hardest working I've ever come across.
0: Yeah, and, and the good thing, you know, the great thing is she's not unique, is she? There's a, there's, there's a lot of young people like this um, who, who've got a voice uh, and who know how to use it. Yeah. Um, and her confidence as well
1: is just Jack fabulous, is isn't just it? Just remarkable.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Okay. Brilliant, right, so uh, Amanda's joined us now. Liv's jumped up and gone. Uh, Amanda welcome Amanda. Thank you. Um, so I think where we're gonna go now is we're gonna perhaps have a conversation about, you know, what are we already doing? What are we going to do next? Where are we going as a trust um, and as individual schools with sustainability? Mm-hmm. So that feels like a really good point to stop, for me to stop talking and hand over to s- somebody who knows what they're talking about. So Helen, welcome.
3: Thank you, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so we've got um, every school in our trust has signed up to Eco Schools, and some of you will be aware already that World has got the the highest award within that, which is the Green Eco Flag Award. And um, Amanda is working with um, the Huntsville schools to um, do uh, to bring about uh, change within the Huntsbills with Eco Schools and sustainability. So, Amanda, what have you been? What have you done since you started there in September?
4: Um, Eco-schools is quite a new concept for um, the Huntsville schools Um, so we needed to start small, simple. Um, Originally we set up the eco-committee so both sites have got their eco-committee and then we talked about what the children felt that they wanted to do. Um, So for them environmentally friendly, uh, sustainability meant reusing paper, turning off lights, um, recycling, food um, so, so that's where we started. We have started with those simple. They've chose to turn off the, make sure people turn off the taps. Um, they reuse paper before they recycle it. Um, they turn off the lights when they're not in the classroom. They this week the East team have um, made a video with these rules on um, that hopefully are going out in assembly. It's, it's lovely. It's really I'll nice it to watch. Share it with all of us. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, From what I've learned from my time at St. Anne's um, Church Academy is pupils want to have an impact on their surroundings. Um, They feel safe. It's the school. It belongs to them so that they feel that they can make suggestions um, in their safe zone. So building on that, we've walked around the school where I am at Huntsville. As I have done past primary school in St. Anne's and um, at Hewish, and I know Cat Hockey's done it at, Westwick Westwick. Um, and looked at what they think they need to do Um, so they've made quite a few suggestions that it's gonna take time we're not gonna do it all straight away because it's too much for them to do Um, and they need to sell it to all the other pupils so we don't want just a small group of people that understand what we're
3: doing. We want the whole school to understand. Definitely, that change of behaviour is what we want, and I think it's mm-hmm. great that you're doing these little steps to get them going. So, if you've got an example of a, a, a slightly larger step um, that maybe I need to be aware of, that I need to do something. <laughs> okay,
4: um, they would like to. Right, I'll list what we've got. So they'd like on the newsletter to be each month an environmentally friendly suggestion that they want to put on oh that's lovely yeah yeah yeah. um that's to get the parents buy in get the families engaged and we've also started doing um the village newsletter as well so we're doing a page on there each month so the eco committee will be involved in that occasionally putting suggestions on there's various, if you go on the internet, there's various different um, organisations. There's the crisp packets, the
3: Iron Man Blankets. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. There's a student at Will that does that, isn't there, Mary? Iron Man Blankets? Yes. They use crisp packets and make them into blankets.
4: I, I
1: hadn't even heard about that. I've got a huge oh. number there's of crisp packets that I'm intending to recycle. We've been talking about mm. this for
3: a long time. There's, there's definitely, I can't remember his name, but there is a student at Will who's
1: collecting the crisp packets. I've seen the box. In oh yeah, no, we've been collecting crisp yeah. packets. We were just going to recycle them. But if we can do something yeah, no, more exciting yeah. with them, Yeah, be the fun. school
4: council have asked to take they wanted a, they wanted something to do. So the school council have taken it on as opposed to the eco committee. Um there's oh the plastic chocolate containers. I know I don't know if you've read my tweets, I was a bit disappointed there was no chocolates left <laughs> in the containers. <laughs> <laughs> but um that's tub to pub. So it's basically they are Collecting all the chocolate containers from Christmas, Cadbury, etc. Um, and then there's, there, a company is shredding those, selling them on to companies, other companies to use the plastic, and then the funds raised is going to Macmillan Cancer
3: Support. That's fantastic, isn't it? So we're reusing plastic,
4: yeah. and then that
0: plastic Beautiful. is actually going
3: to be reused again. That's mm-hmm. great.
0: Yeah. Um, and raising money for charity. And raising money for charity. Yeah.
3: yeah. Charity. Yeah. charity.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah. Um, At at Huntsbills, the children felt the wildlife area was lacking, um, so they wanted to work on developing it. So I've been to Paulette to have a look. They have the most amazing outdoor space. Forest school space, yeah. yeah. Um, The long grass areas, the trees, the shrubs. So we've applied to, I think it's the Woodland Trust, so our shrubs are arriving at the end of next month.
3: So nothing you said Amanda is massive, these are all mm-hmm. easy things, yes they might take time to introduce but they're, they they seem achievable and for those children in the, the time that they're at the Huntsville's they're going to see a difference, they're going to see these shrubs turn into bigger shrubs or trees even yeah, that definitely. are going to grow
4: yeah definitely it, it's really great uh, it's, it's just looking around as well um next week um the after school club that i work in um i noticed the rspb are doing a big schools bird watch yes over the next couple of weeks so i've applied for that hopefully it'll come through next week we're going to go out and do a bird count um and my plan and i i'm really hoping this works is by next year By the time we've done some more on the outdoor space, we've made it um, more inviting to animals, um, the numbers will have changed next year.
3: Oh, that would be great to see, wouldn't it? I
0: I think it's just, it's fantastic that that A, you're asking the the young people what they want to do. Mm. Um, you know, that in itself is a lesson, isn't it? You know, you're talking to them, you're making them think about this. You're, you're raising their awareness. And and we know, particularly in the primary schools, you give them something exciting to get their teeth into and they fly with it, don't they? Um, yeah. It's a bit tougher when we get up into the secondary schools, I think, to get them quite as inspired. Um, but perhaps if more work is done in our primaries, yeah. like you're doing now, Amanda, mm. you know, they'll carry that through. I remember both of my boys being part of the eco-committee in primary school. Um, the only bit of eco they do now is taking the recycling out once a week on a, on a, on a weekend uh, when, I, when, I, when i give them a hard time about it but I, how do we keep them inspired i guess is the question i'm going to
3: yeah well done for getting your boys to actually do something around the house yeah. respect to you um i think it's it's showing impact and I think if we can show our studen- students that we've listened to their voice and then and this has been the impact, this is the difference that we've made in our school grounds or this is the difference we've made in our community, I think I think that helps. Mm. Um, and we've, we've just got to keep on listening to them and keep on implementing the ideas. Yeah. But as I said, all those ideas are, are easy to do and they're not going to cost a great deal of money. So it, it's just people's passion keeping them yeah, going, exactly. isn't
4: it? I mean... Uh, um, At Westwick, Cat Hockey takes out um, children. They've got the high-vis jackets on. They go and do litter picking in the community. That's going to have a major impact on... If they see people dropping litter, just in general, they are going to realise...
3: Changing behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So we're we're quite fortunate in our trust that we've actually already uh, connected our operational um, school business leaders and our ops managers with our curriculum leads and those that are leading on the eco-schools within um, each of our schools. So we're meeting, I think we've only met twice so far, but but it's a massive step to see that link between what the students want and what we can do as a trust or as individual schools to help bring about those changes. and we're not seeing that in, in many of the schools. So I was going to talk a little bit about the UK School Sustainability Network, which Mary mentioned earlier on, because I've been dragged into this. Um, and it's great, actually, because they were trying to work out how they can um, deal with the operational side of it, the, the energy consumption, things like that. Um, and it's more than just the um, the building fabric and um, waste and transport and all sorts of things. How do they, they find out what's going on within all of our schools about about these issues that are very important because you're not going to reduce your energy bill just by getting students to turn lights off. There are other things that can happen. So it's really great. I'm, I'm actually going to be um, part of a DFE working group um, in February working on the, the school sustainability and climate change draft strategy and um, I'm gonna be taking all these ideas that I'm gathering from you guys, and our next meeting, I think in a couple of weeks time, um, I'm gonna be asking you lots of questions about what should I be taking? What do you want to, the government to do differently to, um, to help schools, not just ours, to, to bring about the, the, the changes that are needed?
0: I think um, one of the things you've just talked through there is the fact that we're bringing all these adults to a room to have this conversation. Yeah. That in itself is massive. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got representatives, both curriculum and operations from every school in the trust coming together to have conversations about sustainability. Um, you know, and as Liz said, Liv said earlier on, you know, there's lots of promises made. And there's lots of plans drawn up. Um, and we've got to be careful that we don't just draw up plans and and, and, and burn hot air talking in meetings. Um, but the fact that we're able to to, from every school in our trust, commit to this. Um, I think it's fantastic I think I think as as you said earlier on Mary as a trust we're a long way down the road aren't we compared to other organizations.
1: (coughs) Yeah very far down the road and the feeling that we're getting people in the room together to talk to each other about it and that the leadership of the individual schools and of the trust as a whole actually then listens and responds and does something and makes a difference that I get a really strong feeling of that which I've you know I've been teaching 20 years now and I've never had that before Um, so yeah it's really Really quite lovely
3: to see. I uh, I heard a term the other day which I quite like, which is called the eco echo chamber. We have to be quite mindful that we're not just talking to those that have already um, signed up to this, but actually, you know, we should be talking to other people about what are you doing in your school outside of the trust? Maybe mm. how can how can we work together? How can we network? How, c- how you know can we, we help?
1: Yeah, yeah wh-
3: what differences we made, and and how could it help you?
1: And I think what you're talking about with the lack of engagement from students at secondary I've been trying to get students to engage with this for 20 years um, at secondary level and they when I talk to them about why they don't engage with it what I consistently get is well no one's going to listen to us anyway what power do I have to make any difference there's no point why should I Um, because I'm not going to be listened to so hopefully Seeing that they are listened to, seeing that it does make a difference, will have a huge impact over the next few years.
0: That's right, and and I guess that's what's already being demonstrated in the primary schools, Amanda, isn't it? You know, they they're giving you ideas, and it may be something as simple as recycling the Christmas chocolate box, mm. um, uh, and and but that leads to them continuing to push, doesn't it? Well, they listen to that idea. Maybe they'll listen to my next idea, and the child comes back, and then comes back, doesn't I'd, it?
4: I'd like to think that um, the work we put in in primary schools means it's not them getting involved by the time they're in secondary. They, they just do it. It's just a matter of course of life. They, they don't need to be
3: involved in it. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree, Amanda, and I think that's what we're trying to do within the Trust is anything operational and anything within the curriculum we're trying to think about it from a sustainability point of view so the procurement that we do well you know i've had conversations with um different suppliers about okay so what are you doing that's different how how can you be greener how can you help us be greener so just having those conversations is is a starting point and and threading the green agenda through everything that we do has to be um, it's something that operationally we c- we can easily do within our trust. And it's great because our trustees are behind us with this. You know, it, we've got great, you know, Rod Sibley comes to our um, our sustainability meetings and here give me ideas and here push me when I'm like, OK, <laughs> we're going to do this then. And we've got the sustainability policy. You know, there's lots of schools that haven't got that. It's very simple, our sustainability policy at the minute. The more we understand and measure what difference we're making, the the more we can add to this policy and and make it even more meaningful, I think.
4: And I suppose if you give us the resources how to measure or teach us how to measure it, then we can evidence what we're doing as well.
0: Yeah, we can evidence the impact, which is ultimately what we're about. Mary, you you obviously took... um, world to the green flag status? What, what did that entail? What did you? What were the big things that you managed to achieve there?
1: Um, I think the secret to the green flag that is what makes it so beautiful is eco schools don't aren't looking for big things. They're not looking for huge, difficult, this is going to take you loads of time. This is really complicated. Um, it's about lots and lots of small um, things that you can trigger. Um, so the the getting together an eco council or some sort of eco committee eco group um, reasonably straightforward they you then do an environmental review which is written in it's very very student friendly um, so it's quite nice to look at it's easy for them to understand they can go around the school and do it all that environmental review looks at ten different areas like waste and travel and uh, I- energy um, biodiversity um, it's kind of four pages on each so it's quite it's very quick um but it gives them loads of ideas so for biodiversity it's you know the questions are have you got bird boxes have you got bat boxes Uh, have you got a wildlife area so as they're doing it they're going no we haven't no we haven't no we haven't Mm. that then they can go right okay so what we need is a project sub so it generates the list generates Mm, a list of things that you can do and then they can go Oh, i really want to see more birds right i can do this 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 and this to see more birds brilliant um, you you've achieved some big notes. things
0: as well though, haven't you you know I know, I know you've got the, the the vehicle charging points in school now you've got um solar panels on every every <laughs> flat surface i think <laughs> <Solar> um, <one. laughs> yeah you know that which is which is pretty incredible isn't it
1: that yeah that I mean it, it feels huge it feels massive it looks really impressive we get a lot of kudos for it but actually it was very very straightforward from my perspective. I got in touch with Solar for Schools and said, we're a school, we'd like to do it. They got in touch with the trust leadership, um, trustees and governors. They asked for permission to come in and, pr- and measure everything, um, which obviously everyone went, yeah, right, because they don't charge for it. Uh, they put a proposal together. They went to the trustees and said, we can save you. X amount per year. I'm not. You might know how much it is. I'm afraid I don't, I don't, know, don't you? know the details. The details <laughs> off on top of it, but you know we can save you X amount a year on your electricity bills, free of charge. Oh, okay then. All right. Go on then. Two months later, we had over a thousand solar panels on the roof. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. And we've got them at Priory as well. Oh, and I know that Mel some, Proctor yeah. is looking into it for King Kinghouse as well. So straightforward. Yeah. So is that
4: something you'll be looking for primary schools, or is it not
3: big enough? No. Um. I wouldn't rule it out, but it does depend on the strength of the roof and when that roof needs replacing. So you wouldn't put a solar panel on a roof that, you know, in five years' time needs replacing. So
4: A few of the schools are quite old.
3: Yeah, and there might be some other things that we can do in the meantime, which sort of leads me on to the heat decarbonisation plan, um, because that is something that we were successful with a grant for uh, at the end of last year, and work has started on how we can go about decarbonising our school. Our schools um, and remove oil and gas from um, boilers, basically. So the Huntsbills hopefully will benefit from that because they're both oil boilers Lovely. at the moment. Um, so that it, it might be that what we introduce in one school, we don't necessarily have to introduce in the other. There's another thing that would be a bigger benefit to that school. So um, and and I think that's that's how we we operate within the trust anyway, isn't it? Is it's not one thing for everybody. It's it's what's best for for that school. Mm. So the heat decarbonisation plan will show us what we need to do, what our next steps are, and and it will bear in mind how old um, boilers are, because there's no point replacing a boiler if it's only five years old. If it's coming to the end of its life, then there's a, uh, you know, when we, when we next replace it, we should be replacing it with maybe an air source heat pump. Um, a, probably not a ground source heat pump from around here. Um, but an air source heat pump things like that so there's alternatives and you know we're using experts to help us understand what we should be doing next and that's a really exciting project I think
0: mm. Outstanding thank you and and uh, I, there are other things that have already happened aren't there Helen there's lots of it you know we've gone around and we've replaced all the lights with LEDs and um, you know in lots of the schools, you know, and other schools that haven't had it yet, we will get to if we can. Um, and you know, I know you, you commented there, uh, Amanda, that, You know, some of the schools are quite old. But there will be alternative things that we can pick up mm-hmm. um, and, and other things that they can do. Um,
1: the, the, the guys from the government that we spoke to at COP were very clear about the fact that um, replacing old schools with zero carbon schools was going to be a massive priority in the next 10 years. And that all new schools built were going to be carbon neutral.
0: Absolutely, as they should be.
1: So yeah. many ideas coming yeah. from them that it was really amazing to see such an enthusiastic team. Um,
0: so yeah. Well, and and go on, Hal.
1: I was
3: just going to say, I do wonder um, what what will happen as a result of their um, strategy, and if they're going to say X amount of your capital spend should be spent on sustainability projects going forward, and whether we're going to see more grants c- become available. So I do think it's quite an exciting time. Um, unfortunately, we are we are in a position at the minute when we're going to be recovering from COVID and the impact that's had on us all financially. So I think that we have to change our behaviours as well. I think it's a two prong approach. We shouldn't just wait for the buildings to change around us. We need to adapt to the buildings that we've currently got and I think the example of the old schools you know these are Victorian schools at the Huntsbills you know Hewish is an old um, the main building is an old building they've been around like hundreds of years so and they were built in different times using different um, methods and yet they're still warm and dry Mm -hmm. so we 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 have to change our behaviours as well we can't wait for things to happen we have to make things happen ourselves.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, Look, The the bottom line for me is having such committed, passionate people um, working uh, across all of our schools and students, such committed, passionate young people um, in all our schools means that we can't, you know, we, we can't fail here, can we? We can't fail to make our little bit of impact. Um however small that may be, um we have a responsibility we know we have a responsibility um and we're talking about it openly um and we'll make mistakes along the way, I'm sure, and then we'll miss a few things um and we'll get a few things right but but clearly, you know, Helen, you talked about we're- we're in this COVID situation, yeah, we are, but all this work that we've talked about here today is happening anyway, so it's not slowing us down no, it's not costing us a lot of money it's, you know. The, the the recycling, the grants that you can pick up, the bids that you can go for. And and there are very few people out there if you ask them, you know, will you support us in this that won't. Um they'll be on board, won't they? They'll be on board. It's exciting. So um look, really great to talk to you all this afternoon. Thank you ever so much for your time. Really keen to continue to see um, what goes on and I, I think there could be other podcasts that come out of this further down the road hopefully. Um, it'd be lovely to come over to one of the primary schools and maybe do a podcast with some of the students Can. about what Can they're is, doing. Yes. That'd be lovely. Um, I think we'll set I think we'll set that one up for sure um, and look forward to hearing from you all again soon.
1: Yeah well definitely interested in networking across the trust with me and Helen have talked a lot about how we can introduce networks across the trust between as many people as possible. Yeah. The power of that is huge.
0: Well, and really, that, that's easy, isn't it? Yeah. We've just got to get on and do it now.
1: With Zoom? Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Brilliant. Guys, thank you ever so much for your time today. Um, look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank, thank you, Nathan. You. Cheers. Uh, massive thanks to our guests today. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, if you'd like to contribute, if you'd like to email me, my email address is nathan.jenkins at tplt.org.uk. This has been the Primary Trust Podcast, TPLT Talks.